some of you in this room may have been supported by MCC years and years ago and uh, part of our MV family relief organization that works around the world helping people in need and you've seen it on the news the Syrian crisis and some people have asked what do we do about that um, some people are sponsoring uh, families in the community uh, and we thought it would be great uh, you know, we hear about the people that are wanting to leave the country. And, and it's not just Syria. There's a list of people that are looking for places or looking for sponsorship that are from Africa. They're, like, there's different parts of the world that this has been going on for a while. And so, um, but there's also a need on the ground because a lot of people want to stay uh, in the country that, that's their home. And so MCC has people on the ground there that we want to help support and so the benevolent offering today will go to that for this uh, this month a decision was made um, so if you have that if you don't have the money to help donate for that uh, later on for tonight there's going to be donations available or uh, opportunity to donate um, at the meal as well so if you want to uh, money from that from the meal and from this morning will go to this uh, searing crisis through MCC so want to make that sort of clear for you abundantly clear uh, let's pray together Father God we thank you for uh, the opportunity to look at your word uh, and as we we do that today um, may our minds be clear and our hearts be open to hear from you may you be glorified and may we respond to your leading in our lives uh, on a regular basis in Jesus name Amen we are I'm Pastor Gary uh, campus pastor here in Chilliwack uh, we are continuing our One Another series, and uh, as I prepared for this day, um, I discovered and kind of adopted part of my outline from uh, author Michael Green. It's a six-fold uh, summary of theology of the Lord's Supper, so i just put that out there right away before I get started. Um, the last few Sundays, we have looked at what it means to be a gospel community. On the first Sunday... We were, uh, what, what does it mean to be a gospel community that loves one another? We were challenged to love how Jesus loves us. We were encouraged to love one another by the power of the Holy Spirit and that loving one another becomes our most powerful witness to the world. And then the next Sunday, we were encouraged to be a church that prays for one another. We were reminded that a church that prays for one another loves one another and a church that loves one another prays for one another. And last week, we were challenged to show hospitality and greet one another. And in light of the hospitality Jesus extends to us, we extend hospitality to one another. So today, <clears throat> we're going to look at a very familiar passage. We use it often and, uh, in 1 Corinthians 11. And um, uh, it's titled, this is what I've titled, is The Lord's Supper, Wait for One Another. So let's read the passage today, and we're going to start at verse 17. <clears throat> but in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there is div are divisions among you, and I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you, are, uh, you may be recognized. When you come together, it is the Lord, it's not the Lord's Supper that you eat, for in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you, have, do you not have houses 
to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that in that the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give direction when I come. How many of you have ever heard the following statement? The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Your next question would probably be, what is the main thing that must remain the main thing? How often have you found yourself doing something like some activity or or you have some habit or you have a certain routine and you discover that the main thing, the main reason that you do what you do for that particular activity has been forgotten? And then you find yourself doing something very different than originally intended. And one day you come to realize you no longer know why you are doing what you are doing. So I know as a teenager, a young adult, growing up in the church from diapers, there came a a point when I had to ask myself, why do I actually go to church? I'd done it all my life, but there was a point that I asked why. I loved Jesus. I wanted to live out my faith. I even volunteered. But I found myself asking why. What is, what, what's the main thing? Like, why do I go to church? I had to answer that question. Further on, I asked myself that question again as a life group leader in our previous church. Our group had slowly lost focus. We had to ask ourselves why, are we, why we were a group and why we met together. Was it because of Jesus or because we liked each other? and had a lot of things in common. As a group, we forgot that we met to discover Jesus together, to experience and nurture the truths of Scripture, as we connected and cared for one another, so we could be encouraged and challenged to grow in our faith and be missional. So what lesson did I learn? We could no longer call ourselves a life group. We were just a bunch of friends hanging out and talking about life. We forgot the main reason we met together. So as we look at today's passage, what is the main thing that must remain the main thing? Why do we we have communion? Why must we wait for one another? The focus is really about the person and work of Jesus Christ. We are recognizing the body of the Lord, literally the body and blood of Christ, 
broken and shed for us. We recognize what Christ did to secure our salvation. We are recognizing the body of the Lord metaphorically. The church is the body of Christ. We recognize one another gathering together. What does communion mean for a church body? We are recognizing the body of the Lord individually. How does taking communion impact my own relationship with Christ? What does communion mean for me, for you? What does Jesus really mean to you when the time comes for you to make a decision or uh, for right against wrong, for uh, good against evil, to be generous to, or to be selfish? What does he mean to you when you are under pressure and tempted to explode with anger or submit to lust or whatever your trigger may be? In that moment, we show what Jesus means to us how we, when we respond. Verse 29 says, For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. There's a bigger picture at hand. We must recognize that when we participate in communion, it's not just about me or you. It's about us. We are joined to one another in the body of Christ, his church. In our passage today, the Apostle Paul is dealing, with, dealing at length with the practice of the Lord's Supper and the actions and behavior of the Corinthian church. In verses 17 to 22, Paul was showing the church that they were approaching the Lord's table and gathering together with the wrong spirit. There were destructive divisions and elite groups within the church, some remaining hungry, others getting drunk, and no regard for anyone else. Paul told them, when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. In other words, Paul is saying to the church, what's wrong with you people? Have you forgotten the main thing? the main reason you gather, the main reason for the Lord's Supper. Last week, Pastor Matt touched on how Christians in the early church gathered together for a shared meal called the Love Feast. It was a powerful sign of their mutual love for Christ. He said it was called a Love Feast because there were, these were the people that Jesus revealed his love to. They knew they were people loved by Jesus, and then they got together with other people, who knew they were loved by Jesus, and they gave themselves to loving each other well. The greatest thing about the gathering was the love they had for each other and the love they received from Christ. He went on to say that um, that was the context that communion was had in the local church. They gathered together for a love feast. They broke bread and poured the cup, and they would remember the sacrifice of Jesus. It was a beautiful thing gone horribly wrong by the time Paul writes 1 Corinthians 11. That not only was the love feast mishandled, but, also, but so was the Lord's Supper. Paul is, des- is describing a potluck dinner with the Lord's Supper attached to the end. A potluck that gets out of hand and the participants forget why they are there in the first place. The get-together and the meal become more important than the reason they gathered. Have you ever been to a potluck? How many of you like potlucks? Less than the first service. It's not a popular thing, looks like. So why do we have potlucks? Why do we have potlucks? In, In the past, we would have a potluck meal to gather people together. It was easy to do. It didn't take one person all day to prepare a meal for a bunch of people. But to meet each other and to get to know one another was really the reason for it. 
It's not about the meal at all. You should take a chance with a potluck with a meal. One commentary describes the scene in the Corinthian church this way, no one counted anything as belonging to himself or herself alone, but shared with one another the resources and riches that God had provided so that no one was left out. This rapidly grew into a common meal, which they all shared together. It was a perfectly proper and beautiful thing to do, but unfortunately here in Corinth it was spoiled. Verses 20 to 22 describes the scene very well. Cliques had formed, divisions started to appear. There was the in-group, and then there were the others. And Paul mentions them earlier in 1 Corinthians. They had ruined the gathering of the church together, and they were actually hurting one another and, and destroying the character of the church by the way they were conducting themselves at these love feasts. Paul goes on to remind the Corinthian church what the main thing was that they were missing and the main thing that it was supposed to be about. The Lord's table is an expression of the unity of the church. Jesus' sacrifice for us, his blood and body, unifies us. It unites us to Christ and consequently to each other. When you come together, you should be concerned about the needs and hunger of all. Do you find when you go to a potluck, you tend to pick and choose what you want and leave what you don't want? Picking and choosing can happen in the church. We choose what we like and avoid what we don't like in scripture, in relationships, in our connections. It's our culture. We have our preferences, but sometimes we forget the principles of Scripture. But when we come together to the communion table, we don't have the option to pick and choose. If we are embracing Christ and if we follow the example of the early church, this is what we have been given. We are called to love one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, and wait for one another, demonstrating sacrificial love for one another. So, when we wait for one another, we take the time to look back in remembrance of Christ's death. The institution of the Lord's Supper can be found in four places in the New Testament, Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 22, and 1 Corinthians 11. The Lord's Supper, also called communion or the Eucharist, meaning thanksgiving in Greek, holds deep significance for the follower of Jesus. It is more than just a memorial to remember Jesus' death and resurrection. The Lord's Supper is also a declaration of a believer's continual dependence on Christ's life and example and a regular reminder that he will return soon. Observance of the Lord's Supper began when Jesus initiated it at his Last Supper meal with the disciples before he was betrayed and put to death. Understanding the historical roots of the Lord's Supper gives us the context for understanding the death of Christ and the new covenant we experience in Christ. One commentary put it this way, the supper was observed as part of the Jewish Passover, the great event of liberation and salvation of Israel through the Exodus. Salvation through blood, death, and the establishment of God's covenant with Israel are key components of meaning in the Passover. The Lord's Supper during the Passover signals the inauguration of a new covenant. The people of the new covenant are those who accept God's salvation through Jesus Christ and who enter the covenant community established by the life and death of Jesus. In Matthew, 
Mark and Luke, a cup is added as a symbol of Christ's atoning death. In Matthew, it's described as the cup of blood is poured out for many for forgiveness. In Mark, the cup poured out for many, and in Luke, the cup poured out for you. In addition, Luke in 1 Corinthians 11 describes the Lord's Supper as an event of remembrance to remind believers of the life and death of Jesus to establish the new covenant. John Piper put it this way, we must remember Jesus because he is the most valuable person in the universe. We must remember his death because it is the most important death in history. So when we come together to eat the Lord's Supper, we remember that Christ came into this world to save sinners, to save us. He lived a life without sin. He was rejected by his own, beaten and ultimately killed for our sake. Through his death, Jesus paid the penalty for sin and liberated those who trusted in him from the bondage of sin. So number two, when we come When we wait for one another, we take the time to look up in adoration. Whenever we eat the Lord's Supper, we remember God's mercy and grace as the loving Father who sent his one and only Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sin. As we eat and drink, it's as if Jesus is saying, I love you. I died for you. I was punished for your sin. You are now forgiven. You are righteous in God's sight. You will not be condemned. We respond by saying, I love you. You died for us. You forgave me. I am righteous in your sight, not under condemnation. We should respond with thanksgiving. When we wait for one another, number three, when we wait for one another, we take time to look inward in self-examination. Whenever we eat the Lord's Supper, we reflect upon our own lives, asking the Holy Spirit to expose our own sins so that we might come into the presence of Christ with clean hands. In our text, verse 27 to 30, Paul expresses the danger of participating in an unworthy manner. Eating and drinking in an unworthy manner means taking the Lord's Supper without really understanding that the bread and cup point to Jesus' death. Without the right response to his death, which is repentance and faith, the meaning of the Lord's Supper is lost. The need for self-examination is where we reflect on our relationship with Jesus, asking the Holy Spirit to expose our own sins so we can confess them and find forgiveness at the cross before reaffirming our commitment to follow Jesus. So number four, when we wait for one another, we take time to look around in consideration of others. Eating and drinking in an unworthy manner means failing to recognize our relationship with with other believers. Whenever we eat the Lord's Supper, we are forced to look around at our brothers and sisters in Christ, being reminded that we are sitting at the table as a family. You heard that in Prossi's testimony. We're a family. Participation as a family affirms our faith in Christ. As we participate together, we are focusing on the main thing we have in common, and that is Jesus. We are expressing our faith and trust and thankfulness for what Jesus has done. We are acknowledging that our sins individually were responsible for Jesus' death and are trusting that his death has secured our forgiveness for past and present sins. We eat and drink as a family. Jesus, by his death, has broken down the barriers that divide us. 
1 Corinthians 10.17 says, Because there is one loaf, we, who are many, are one body. For we all partake of the one loaf. You can look at that in the ministry videos. It points to what, ministry partner videos, it points to what God is doing in people's lives. We can celebrate together because we have Jesus in common. Or our meals, our meal tonight, our prayer worship night, we are gathering together, praying together, worshiping together because we have Jesus in common. Number five, when we wait for one another, we take time to look forward in anticipation of Christ's return. Whenever we eat the Lord's Supper, we are eating and drinking in anticipation of the great marriage supper of the Lamb, where a place has been reserved for all those who belong to Christ's family. The Lord's Supper reminds us that Jesus is alive, that he rose from the dead, that he is in heaven at the right hand of God, the Father, and that one day he is going to come again. In Mark 14:25, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the, that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. And in 1 Corinthians 11:26, it says, For whenever you eat this bread and drink, or drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Number six, when we wait for one another, we take the time to look outward and around to proclaim Christ to others. Again, because we want to reach Chilliwack and Agassiz in the world for Jesus, we care about the needs that come to our attention, both near and far. Hence our offering today going to the Syrian, Syrian refugee crisis through MCC. Whenever we eat the Lord's Supper, our actions proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The Lord's Supper is a way of preaching the gospel message. It confronts every person present with the question, are you right with God? So do you recognize why Jesus had to die for you? We believe all people are created with dignity and value in the image of God, to live in a vital relationship with God, However, through our sin, choosing ourselves in our own way over God and his way, we break our intended relationship with God and we experience the destructive consequences of that broken relationship, spiritually and socially, in this life and beyond. However, God sent his son Jesus Christ to rescue us from those consequences and to restore our broken relationships with God and with others. Through Christ's death on the cross, a perfect act of redemption for each one of us. Salvation comes to people on the basis of God's grace through their faith in Jesus alone. They receive the free gift of forgiveness and are spiritually reborn through repenting of their sins and believing in Jesus Christ. Good works and a holy life, although totally unable to save anyone, are the natural product of a repentant, believing people. So the results of our sin is separation from God. Romans 2.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God's remedy? Jesus and the cross. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and rose from the grave, paying the penalty for our sins and bridging the gap between God and man. That's good news. Salvation from what we have, we have done, salvation from what we are going to do, 
and salvation for our future. God's love for us requires a response, though. Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Communion points us to God's love, grace, forgiveness, and his desire to be in relationship with you. So as I conclude, I want to call up the communion servers. You can see it's set up a bit differently. So come on up, communion servers. I also want to ask the prayer team to go to your spots. So we have people here to pray for you today if you'd like prayer. Uh, Front and back, and I think somebody's upstairs. Um, We want to take the time, the rest of our time, to respond uh, to what God is saying to you. We, and, and the worship team. Yeah, you're here already? Good. We have these communion stations ready for you. So there's going to be some people that are going to be in the balcony on both sides. There's going to be someone standing at this aisle, standing in front here at this aisle, standing in front of that aisle. And we also have a gluten-free option. So this is just for gluten-free people. Uh, don't dip bread in there, please. Um, it's dangerous. Uh, so it's all there for you. We want to want to respect that. We have three songs that are going to be response songs that are going to be played, so there's no rush. We're asking you to come forward to one of the stations uh, today instead of us coming to you. So while the worship team plays, if you have accepted God's forgiveness through Jesus and have committed your life to him, we want you to make your way to the communion station. This is a practical example of serving one another, the body of Christ serving the body of Christ. After you've taken the Lord's Supper, we ask that you return to your seats and continue to worship with the worship team, Pastor Josh. If you haven't made a faith commitment to Jesus and would like to pray or chat with somebody, make your way over to the prayer team member or I'll be up in this corner. We'd love to talk to you. And if you're here today and you're not ready for any of this and feel like, feel free to just remain in your seats and join Pastor Josh and the worship team. At the same time, if you are also here and you want prayer for something else, the prayer team would love to pray with you um, as we go through. So there's going to be a lot of people moving around for the next 15 or so minutes. And just, uh, uh, just focus on God. So when you're ready, come forward. Prepare your heart to partake of the Lord's Supper this morning. Reflect on what God is saying to you this morning. Reflect on your relationship with God and your relationship with other people. Reflect on God's love for you and the sacrifice Jesus made for you. Look back in remembrance of Christ's death. Look up in adoration to God. Look inward in self-examination. Look around in consideration of others. Look forward in anticipation of Christ's return. And look outward and around to proclaim Christ to other people. Hold the elements in your hands and see the symbols of God's unconditional love for you. Look at the bread. Hear Jesus say, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Look at the cup and hear Jesus say, This is the new covenant of my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so when you eat and drink together, 
we celebrate the covenant of grace. We celebrate our relationship with one another. And we celebrate the promise of his coming return. I just want to give thanks, and then we'll carry on. Father God, we thank you. We just want to give you thanks as we receive the cup and we receive the bread. We give thanks, and may we see these symbols, the the amazing good news of your grace in our lives. As we examine our hearts, may we come to you and lay our lives at the foot of the cross. May we respond to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.